The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing that makes them stand out? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is this week's host. (laughs) Yay! Hi, Mike. Hi, Kirsten. Hey. So we're back. Bigger and badder for show number two of the Coaching Sugars. Um, Mike and I have we're, we're rested up, refreshed, and we're ready to play with your coaching and leadership questions. Yeah, so we're Mike McGinley and Kirsten Olson, and we're honored to be here again as guest hosts of Georgetown's Institute for Transformational Leadership's weekly podcast with our special three-part series of the Coaching Sugars. Real, compassionate coaching advice served up straight for three weeks straight. Yeah. Make mine a double, kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we just uh, first just want to say how much we love the Institute's podcast, and we ourselves are avid listeners. And we also really love the goals of our Institute, creating a worldwide community of leaders and coaches committed to enlightened and compassionate leadership. That so resonates for us, and we really want our show to contribute to that. That's profoundly inspiring to us if we can do it. And I also really want to thank our generous and wise listeners who offered us feedback and comments on week number one's show. Many of you said it does feel like there really needs to be a forum where we, as coaches and leaders, can explore our inner dilemmas as coaches without a sense of having to perform or look good. At the show, we are really trying just to offer responses to coaching dilemmas that are not about giving the right answers with a lot of certainty and authority, but are truthful, thoughtful, compassionate, heartful, and based on our own coaching and leadership lives. Yeah, and just before we dive in this week, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the inspiration for our program. It's called Dear Sugar. It's an advice podcast on NPR, and it's kicking. So here we go into week number two. Okay, and just a reminder that we are relying on you, our amazing community, to tell us about your coaching and leadership dilemmas, the ones that tug at your heart and soul. Right. Let us know what you think about what we're doing here, and send us letters of your own at our Gmail address, thecoachingsugars at gmail.com. Oh, no. Isn't that so cool? That's how you know we're legit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> our very own Gmail address. Okay, so let's get started. Today's theme is, oh, that client. Mm-hmm. 
We got several letters from you about the client who troubles you, who brings up something for you energetically or emotionally that feels like it's worth paying attention to, but you're just not sure where to go. Mike and I are going to offer a couple of stories of our own, if we can fit them in, but let's get right to our first letter. All right. Our first letter starts like this. Dear Coaching Sugars, I have a coaching dilemma and I'm hoping you can help me. I'm working on a subcontracting arrangement with a client who's a physician. What that means is that I was assigned to the client and our relationship was not one of mutual choice. The sponsor asks us contracted coaches to follow a prescribed protocol in working with clients and our goals as, subcontract, as subcontractors to be in, are to be in service to the leadership position within the organization. So during my first call with this client, I had a pleasant conversation where I outlined the coaching process and inquired about the client's goals. The client presented his story as one of significant loss. He moved three years ago from the Midwest, where he had led a community-based practice for 30 years. He'd been a revered member of the community and loved his job, enjoying his familiarity and stature. The family pulls of wanting to be closer to his children and grandchildren prompted him to move to the southeast. Into this new job, they began off as chief medical officer of a small rural hospital, but quickly morphed into a role of managing a much larger multi-system entity due to unexpected mergers. I provide this context because when I asked about his goals, the client described a story of grieving for what he had, of a pervasive pervasive sense of loss, and a feeling of being stuck in a role that he didn't choose. Now, due to financial pressures, he feels he's got to make it work. As he speaks, the pace of his speech is slow, and I notice a feeling of low energy even within myself. The client has had various assessments where his leadership strengths included his ability to listen and empathize, his stability, and his capacity for engaging in difficult conversations and facilitating change. So what is my dilemma? My personal value, and what I hold is very important, is to coach my client, while also being aware of the various stakeholder interests, such as the client organization and my subcontracting role. This client seemed to be presenting with a much larger issue of career satisfaction and adjustment to his new life, somewhat different than the prescribed agenda. The client describes his habit of always looking at the glass half empty and immediately seeing what's wrong with any situation. I've committed to him that I'm coaching him and that I believe we can work on his goals of dealing with his loss and redefining what he calls his authentic self, as we also work on some of his leadership opportunities. During our discussions, it's clear that the client is passionate about proving the well-being of physicians and organizations, which has made me curious about his focus on his own well-being. So here's my question, Sugars. How do I balance and manage the interests of the numerous stakeholders? How do I coach the client when possible outcomes could include his feeling that his current role is not the best fit for him? Mm. Might therapy be right for him instead of coaching? And more personally, our calls are at 7 a.m., and when I'm speaking to this client, I feel my energy evaporating. I start to worry about how I'm going to get through the rest of my day. I feel like it's essential for me to have a plan prior to our call so that I'm not impacted by his low energy. I feel the tugging down of this client. It's potentially a real drain on me. Thanks for your wisdom, hopeful Hannah. Mm. Mm. Don't you love hopeful Hannah? I do. I do. 
and also relate to her so much. So, so much. One of the incredible things about doing the Coaching Sugars is that Mike and I get to read these amazing letters and really jump into the coaching lives of our incredible colleagues. And I guess I'm just going to jump in with a couple of couple of first-order thoughts here. I really am impressed and love the very kind of judicious, careful, thoughtful way that Hopeful Hannah is laying out the dilemmas here, mm-hmm. which I think are so, you know, so common to us in our work, um, is really the complexities of the contractor, subcontractor agreements, whether therapy is possibly the right thing, and also how does she take care of herself in this, um, in this potential engagement. And so I really, I felt those pieces, and I think we want to try to honor each one of those. Yeah. And I also felt this kind of larger sense of, and man, have, haven't we been there, of standing kind of on the first step of the pool and looking at the shallow end and <laughs> thinking, man, I'm not sure I even really want to walk into this pool. Yeah. And um, how do I do that? And so I think there's really those, at least those t- two pieces of energy there in this letter. And um, I just, just to, to bite off the first piece, um, Hopeful Hannah mentions, how do I balance the, the interests of the contractor, my role as subcontractor, and what may be going on for this client? And um, that is a central and critical question, and I think we both feel so passionately about that, um, that once we have acknowledged the honor of working in a contractor agreement, we ultimately drop into a space where we are working coach to client in live relationship, and that really is the central priority. No, that's right. I think... I think that's exactly what we're we're called to do and um, to be with what's present and what emerges, really whatever that is. So it sounds like, you know, she's she's really thinking about that and um, what do the issues of grief and loss potentially mean and also perhaps what's arising for her in those issues. Yeah, beautifully said. And I'm, you know, as I, as we poured over these letters and and settled in on this one from Hopeful Hannah, you know, I was really struck by um, how she raised so cogently the the, the issue of therapy. Yeah. Right. And uh, because it's real. And I'm imagining there's something very honoring about her thinking that. I'm also imagining there's something a little bit frightening about her thinking that. Because what if therapy is the answer here? Um, what are the implications for Hopeful Hannah? What are the implications for her client? What does that do with her subcontractor agreement? So it just feels very rich and thick to me. Um, and I, I think it's worth our chewing on for a couple of minutes. Um, as, as I think about this, I think the most, 
I, I think the most powerful thing we can do for our client is to introduce the distinction, reintroduce maybe this distinction between therapy and coaching. And um, kind of the pithy version of that distinction that I like in my work with clients is the one of recovery versus discovery, right? Mm -hmm. So the kind of oversimplistic way of thinking about this is that therapy is about a process for recovering from pain that happened in the past so that you can move forward and get the things that are important to you. Whereas coaching yeah. is much more focused on discovery. What are, the, what are the implications of the moves I can make or what are the implications of the values I hold or the goals that I've got for myself or my organization? It's more future focused and discovery focused. Um, versus recovery. And so I think, yeah. I think one of the more enduring gifts we can give a client like this is to share our assessment and say, hey, yeah. you know, it strikes me that there's a, you know, th there's a sense of grieving here, and let's yeah. just call that out, right, and, and introduce this distinction between therapy and coaching. And I think maybe the most important thing for us coaches to understand is that we don't have to figure this out on our own, right? We don't have to be the master yeah. diagnostician um, and exactly. say, well, is this more of a coaching thing or is this more of a therapy thing? I think we can invite the client into that conversation and see what they think. Right? Yeah. And in this case, with, with Hopeful Hannah and her client, I think I would put it this way. Um, so, dear client, if this notion of loss of what you had in your, your gig in the Midwest, if this is so pervasive that it's getting in the way of your right. achieving what, what's yeah. most important to you and your family and your organization, then therapy might be a route worth going down, right? Yeah. And, and it's going to take you into a, into a realm that's out of my scope, but I can help you identify right. a professional who might be able to do that work with you, right? And the, the converse is if, if this grieving is just kind of a normal, healthy part of the change process for you and you could think you can do that in parallel and it's not a formidable constraint to you getting what, you, what your aspirations are in your new organization, um, then I think coaching is, is a great answer and, and just get into that conversation. I think that's the yeah. most powerful, enduring thing we can do with that client is to let them know we... We sense their um, we sense their pain through the, the grieving yeah. process, and yeah. that there's a way forward no matter what. And let's get in a conversation a conversation about mm. it. Yeah, I love that. That was just absolutely beautiful. And there's a piece too. I just want to highlight, Mike, um, uh, something that you said, which is we really don't have to know all the answers, and we don't have to be clinicians making a distinction here. Right. And just just as an example, I just recently spoke to a potential client, and just in our initial really um, lengthy and wonderful conversation, I said to him, I hear a lot of grief here, mm. a lot of grief and a lot of loss, and I'm wondering if there's some grieving work that you may need to do before we begin the coaching process. And we really had a, a very meaningful, I think, um, mutually kind of held conversation about that. What would that look like? What does, what does grief, his grief potentially need? Are there some rituals around grieving and, and his loss they need to enact in his own life? Mm -hmm. And ultimately what he ended up doing was going away for several months and doing some work in some other venues and then coming back into 
coaching to do some forward-looking, present and forward-looking work. So just as you say, inviting the client potentially into that conversation as a way to help them make those distinctions more clear to them. And, and really heartfully, let's hold this together. Let's yeah. hold this spiritually together. Yeah, beautiful. Kirsten, can you give us a sense of what was the process through which he landed on kind of that series of activities he would undertake to get to that place he needed to be to do the coaching work? Um, I, I, once again, I really uh, love how you're a coach, man. Um, <laughs> I know I make it look easy, but I do this for a living. <laughs> So part of, part of um, I think, what was going on was in this initial conversation, you know, his reaching out to a coach, he really was actually beginning this process of meta-seeing of what had been happening in his life over the last year and a half, two years. And that simple conversation, I think, was an invitation to him to say, what else do I need? And then I think he experienced, I sent him a couple of resources, but he really experienced some of his own resourcefulness through this conversation that allowed him to begin thinking pretty creatively about himself and this period that he'd just been through and what might ease it, what might honor it what might bring it fully into fruition for him because it seemed incompleted in terms of how he'd felt about it. Mm. Yeah. No, that, so, this is super cool. You know, Kirsten, it feels to me like you, you kind of unlocked a door for him by calling it out, right? Calling out, sharing with him what you were noticing kind of gave him the liberation that he needed to go pursue this stuff full bore um, rather than just kind of dabbling in it. And the piece I think that we're both um, holding here, yes, is that we really want to partner with our clients, even at very early stages, about what is it that they need and what are the feelings that they're experiencing asking of them and the potential container to do the work. So let's, um, we're just going to take a quick break here and then come back and let's really dig into hopeful Hannah's question about how does she take care of herself as she begins to engage with this client and uh, the, the, the feelings that she notices that come up for her um, during their coaching calls. Yeah, great. So join us after the break. We'll be back with uh, um, kind of kicking around, mucking about the energy impacts of a dynamic like this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, research, and education about the nature and requirements of leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop and sustain worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches dedicated to awakening, engaging, and supporting the leadership required in the world today to create a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer four cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching, the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, the Certificate in Health Coaching, and the Certificate in Facilitation. We also offer a range of ICF-certified advanced coach education and leadership courses for experienced leadership coaches and leaders at all levels. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host. All right, so it's Mike and Kirsten back, the Coaching Sugars. Um, I'm going to dive in a little bit more to Hopeful Hannah's letter and and explore the energy impacts that Hopeful Hannah discussed mm-hmm. at the end of her letter. Um, and I, yeah, that's, you know, Kirsten, that's the part of the letter that really struck me the first time that I me read too. it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, wow, I'm noticing that this guy, being with this guy is dragging me down or starting to tug yeah. me down. I've really got to be conscious of my energy. And I want to celebrate that, right? I, maybe mm-hmm. most of us take that for granted, but there's, um, I, I think that's, that's a skill, um, that we shouldn't take for granted you know, noticing right. our own kind of energetic field, especially in the presence of, and in relation to another person. Right. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's a great skill for us to have. Um, and I, I think of this as the contagion of energy and I think hopeful Hannah has a good understanding and appreciation mm-hmm. of, of that, that phenomenon. Um, and maybe more important, she understands how that phenomenon can affect her performance in this engagement. Right. Her performance for her own sake, her performance for the sponsor's sake, her performance for the contractor's sake, and mostly her performance for her client's sake. Right? Yeah. If, if she allows herself to get tugged down by his energy, she knows she's not going to be able to serve him as well as she would like. Um, and, and I think that's worth celebrating. So, yeah, hats off to Hopeful Hannah for noticing that. And, you know, noticing it is, is half, the, half the battle, right? right. Um, that's, yeah. It's, I, I think here I want to underscore the importance of being intentional about our presence, right? And so, again, I think coaches get this. Um, and the transferability of this phenomenon to leaders, I think, is pretty profound, right? Like being intentional about the way we want to show up energetically for the sake of something that we've thought about. Um, I think that's the name of the game. And then equipping ourselves with the means to be who we intend to be. So I love, I I think she's 90% there just being in the question, like, wow, I've noticed this energetic effect and that's not how I want to be. And so, you know, 
I'm doing all these things so I can be for this client who I need to be. I love that notion for coaches, and I love that notion even more for leaders to be much more conscious and much more mindful and much more intentional about how is it that I want to be and, and how does energy play into that? Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I really had a similar response. The last piece of this letter was so powerful to me. And um, hopeful Hannah's consciousness about what this was doing to her, just as you say, seems like um, such a powerful example um, to potentially to the individual she was working with and to to all of us at a larger level. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's a, there is also just this question of even though she may be very significantly there in, in being conscious of it, really how does she manage this? How does she work with um, the, the body feelings that are coming up here? And so what do you think about that, Mike, since... If you well, asked me about practices last time, let's just go there. I guess that's fair play. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to stand by what I said here. I think, I think that Hopeful Hannah knows the effects. She's, she's got the ability to notice the effects on herself, and she's raised the question like, wow, if, if at 7 a.m. this is how I'm feeling, how on earth am I going to get through my day um, with the rest yeah. of my clients and the rest of right. the work that I do? Um, I think that answer is different for all of us. Right, and so it it might involve exercise. It might involve diet. It might involve intervals of standing and sitting and walking throughout the day. Um, that's what it is for me, right? So that's the stuff I can talk to the best. Right. I, you know, I think from a somatic standpoint, it's making sure that there are intervals during the day where I'm able to be in movement, and that it's not just a slog. It's not just a cerebral activity um, to kind of slog through the day. It's mind, soul, and body um, all working in concert throughout the day. So I I think that's the, for me, that's the thing, just uh, kind of the string around the finger that says, you know, my body's a lot more than just um, this mechanism to lug around my head so it can do its thing, right? So, um, yes, I love that. And I can actually feel the vitality just as you're talking about that, Mike, about getting up and walking around. and I think that there's um, a, a piece, too, for her additionally to, to really engage in even more attuned um, consciousness about where is she specifically feeling this in her body. Is it a sort of thinking in the chest? Is it um, a sense of slowing down? Is it a kind of um, mental slackness? And then to devise some solutions for herself, like maybe she does need to walk around while she's talking to him. Maybe she, she needs to ask him to stand up and see if he'd be willing to move around with her so that they could lift the vitality of the session together and partner around that. I love what you're saying, Kirsten, and I, you know, it strikes me, again, one of the most enduring gifts that we can give our client is to let them know the effects they're having on us, yes, right, or exactly. us as part of their larger audience, and, exactly. and just sharing this boldly 
um, hey, here's right. the energetic impact I'm noticing in myself being around right. you in your presence. Right. Um, I wonder what that can um, open up for him. What that might bring um, to him. Well, at the same time, and I just want to, before we um, make a switch to our second letter, I also just want to put in a placeholder, a wondering also for Hopeful Hannah, who is managing this situation so mindfully and skillfully, is are there some grief loss issues that this client is also bringing up for you? And it's just, it's, it's worth noticing what, if a client is evoking something powerful in us, there is that potential learning for us as coaches about what that may be and what are the openings there for us in terms of deepening our own work. So clients um, evoke particular things in us for particular reasons. And is there also another piece of work here um, that is being called forth by this particular situation? Brilliant. And we just, you know, we just say that with, with a loving sense of our clients, our invitations for us to go deeper and deeper with ourselves as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. For, if we do say so ourselves, right? As, as somebody who's working on his, his own compassion, that's kind of a, um, a warning for me. Maybe I don't want to get but so compassionate. <laughs> well, um, you know, I love this, um, the idea that grief and loss are really required to crack open our hearts, mm. that our hearts are too hard without them. And... Um, you know, there's there's just a there is a potential for deepening. I think here that that this letter is also about. So so, Mike and I just when we have gotten these letters, we've just said, man, we're the two luckiest people on the planet yeah. because we get these amazing letters and we get to be in in the work of our clients in the ways that uh, this is allowing. So let's just go to the next letter. Again, another really powerful letter, full of full of uh, many different pieces. Um, this coach is describing a feeling of exasperation as they confront a stuck client. Dear Coaching Sugars, here's my coaching dilemma. I'm working with a client who is stuck beyond stuck. He believes that his partner is, using the client's words, lazy, victimizing, inconsiderate, entitled, and selfish. Mm. My, my client is not able to see any other perspective. He cannot even acknowledge that his belief is an assessment. It's simply the truth. He and his business partner seem to be in a vicious, negative spiral downward. One partner is triggered by the other. My client feels marginalized and disrespected, so he becomes highly emotional and demanding of attention. The other partner is then triggered by feeling condescended to, and so the cycle continues. My client is ready now to blow up the business, 
force a sale of the entire thing so he can stop feeling so miserable. His only stipulation is that his partner cannot buy it because that's what the partner wants. Yikes! (laughs) As a coach, I've approached the situation multiple ways. Ask the client to analyze his speech acts, assertions, and assessments, and to get him to look at his beliefs, emotions, actions, and results, or how he is climbing the ladder of inference. Next, I ask the client to observe his emotions, observe his triggers, and I've given him books, articles, thematic practices, and videos about emotional intelligence, and more. This client was brought to me by an attorney who brings me his most difficult cases, and I helped him out once before and saved the day. Yet this new client seems not to be able to see any other perspective on his partner. Although I am a total optimist and eager to be of service, it's clear to me as I write that, that I, as I write this that I have approached this engagement with my ego on the line. I can help. I know it. Yet we've made no progress. I keep looking inward to seek answers about how I could be a different or better coach. I'm tempted to blame outward and say, this is beyond me. He needs a therapist. I did fire him as a client at one point early on in the coaching, and and he asked to continue. Naively, I thought that was a step in the right direction, and maybe we could make progress. This client enervates everyone around him, and people drop out of his lives regularly as a result. He's really hard to tolerate, even in small doses. I don't want to be another person who just abandons him when when it gets hard. Part of the challenge is that despite my client's emotional pain, he won't set goals for coaching. He'll say, I'm open to anything, and then, I don't think anything will work. This is a waste of time. I have no goals. I get the sense that he's very attached to his pain and suffering, as if it serves him well in some way. I'm energized by this client because I'm still coming up with new ideas and approaches, but also really exasperated. His last comment to me was, I don't think this is working. Things have gotten worse since we started coaching. And he's right. (laughs) Any suggestions? (laughs) Earnest coach. Hmm. All right. What an amazing yeah. situation. I uh, know, truly. This is this is a letter um, that when we received it last week, I was thinking, okay, like I, thinking I've seen everything in the coaching realm. I haven't seen anything like this quite to this extent. Yeah. Um, so really fertile soil for us to dive into. So um, really grateful to you, Ernest Coach, um, for yeah. sharing this with us. Um. A couple things came to mind for me right away. That you know, the first thing is I'm I'm often amazed by the privileged view that we coaches get into you know, what I'll call the human condition, right? Like we get this uh, we get this slice of what it is what it is to be human that I'm not sure most people get to see or aren't in the position to pay as close attention as we are. So mm-hmm. you know, this client moves through the world and lots of people get to see, um, his out, outer affect. Um, mm. and so, so they think they know who he is. Um, Ernest coach actually gets to see all of that and something more. And yeah, mm. it just, it just seems like it's a, 
it's a different view into the human condition that's there's something really valuable there mm. I love that mm, that's that, so beautiful and you know related to that it, I couldn't help but trying awesome. to get underneath this client and what's what's really going on here and and whenever I kind of take that posture it takes me to the place of you know at the end of the day right if, if you strip away all the fanciness all any of us really want is to be seen and heard and understood and validated. Or, you know, if you wanted to get crazy about it, we could substitute loved for validated. But, yeah, we just want to be seen and heard and understood and validated. And this dude, for sure, isn't being fully seen and heard. Um, yeah. and, for, and, and not to mention understood and validated. Now, he's, he's party to that, no doubt. Right? He's making it difficult. He's making himself invisible uh, to, a, to a degree. But let me get to my kind of the biggest thing that that struck me here, Kirsten. It's it's yeah. what what is it about coaches or coaching that that helps us do whatever we've got to do in the name of focus, faith, and effort in the name of helping a client, right? Like every sign is here to say, boy, just just do as everybody else has done and get out of this guy's life, right? Yeah. Every opportunity right. is there to do that. Yet Ernest Coach is saying, no, I'm not just going to be another person who abandons him when it gets hard. I love that. I love that. Me too. Me too. And also I love the, the um, self-insight of Ernest Coach saying, I know my ego's involved here. Man, I get all right. the toughest clients from this particular attorney, and I know that I can be successful in where no one else has gone before and been able to uh, turn the situation. No, that's right. So, so I love that, that consciousness. And also I'm very aware of how that's kind of tugging at the container in ways that really may not be so useful ultimately to, um, to moving this client. So, so you know, that, that kind of was my response. I, as I read this letter, I also was so impressed by the complexity and the nuance of the ways in which Ernest is able to describe the situation. And then I started thinking about this card that I have had on my desk since the time that I first began meditating. And this was years ago, and the card says, abandon any hope of fruition. (laughs) And I really thought um, that is perhaps a place that um, Ernest may need to go to with this particular client and really dig in and begin talking about what they're seeing here in a, in a very, in a very bold and straightforward kind of way. Yeah. Or at the very least redefine together what fruition looks like. Yes. Well, so I think that's, I mean, sort of disentangling those pieces of what does fruition look like and what does fruition look like for Ernest? Mm. So, um, and what happens to us when our egos come up as coaches into a situation? What does it make us feel it is possible to do that, um, that may make us ultimately a part of the problem? So, so let's just, let's leave that there for a minute. Let's just go to break and we'll come back and keep, keep working on this one. 
I'm intrigued. Me too. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, research, and education about the nature and requirements of leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop and sustain worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches dedicated to awakening, engaging, and supporting the leadership required in the world today to create a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer four cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching, the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, the Certificate in Health Coaching, and the Certificate in Facilitation. We also offer a range of ICF-certified advanced coach education and leadership courses for experienced leadership coaches and leaders at all levels. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host. All right, so we are um, Kirsten Olson and Mike McGinley, the Coaching Sugars, and we are coming back. just to, to look again at this intriguing letter from Ernest Coach about this very complicated and kind of um, revealing dilemma, I think, that Ernest has presented. And I, I thought one of the things that I got to notice because I got to read this letter several times was there is this kind of pattern of circularity that Ernest describes about the client himself and Ernest's interactions with the client, that the client is in a circular pattern that keeps going around and around with his partner. Then um, the um, client gets into a circular pattern with Ernest, the coach, about setting goals, and then saying goals are not possible. The client gets into kind of a circular pattern about um, don't leave this coaching, although the coaching is doing nothing at all. Um, I, I don't want to end this relationship, although we're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I, I just, that, that was so powerful to me just as a, a kind of pattern. And what does that mean for Ernest as a coach? And I really began to feel like 
Ernest may need to get to that place, and it sounds like Ernest may be getting there, where they do, as I say, abandon all hope of fruition, just to say, I'm not going to be successful in this engagement. I'm not sure that the awareness practices that I've been recommending are really making any impact, and just to have the kind of conversation with the client that lovingly but very clearly describes that that it appears to me, dear client, that you are in a set of patterns that you are really stuck in, and it is having profound impact on your, your business life and also on your personal life. And I'm not sure that we can really do anything about it at this moment unless we're willing to just fully be in that pattern and the implications of it. And to just hold the sense that you as earnest coach may have to be the one who breaks the energetic pattern of circularity and to really just name it and set your feet deeply in the ground and, um, and call this and say, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is, this is what's happening. And then really just to see, see what happens. Yeah, I, I really love this, Kirsten. I think, I think the kind of driving the stake in the ground um, and a conversation around, hey, what I'm noticing in you, dear client, yeah. isn't yeah. going to get you from here to there. Right, exactly. just isn't going to get right. you from here to there, and so we've got to recalibrate. Either let's recalibrate what you say you want for yourself, or right. let's recalibrate the behavior that you're you're capable of um, kind of embedding for yourself. But something's got to give because this pattern isn't going to get you airborne. Right, and also with the sense that this um, client may really just not know what else to do. They may truly be doing the best that they can and not be able to get out of this energetic cycle, in spite of all the help that seems to have been offered and the many, many signals that this is a profoundly destructive pattern. Mm-hmm. So then the, so, so that's a, that is a bold conversation to have with the client, with the sense of we really, we really must take this to um, to this level of conversation and see see how this is going to land with you. Yeah, I, no, I think that's exactly right. And and back to the circularity that you introduced here, Kirsten. Uh, you know, mm. the part that jumped out at me was um, I. Yeah, I was celebrating. I, I raised the roof when I saw that um, Ernest Coach fired this client, right? And Thank then, you too. Yeah. And, and then it's like, and I rehired him when he came back, right? Because I thought that was a step in the right direction. And I get that. But I guess the question it raised for me was, you know, what were the terms for the re-engagement, right? It's like, okay, so we broke this off and we're, we're willing to do this work again. If I'm the coach in this situation where this has taken me for my own development is – what would the terms need to be? What, what are the conditions that I would need to see in order to re-engage? 
right? And then how do I stay true? How do I share those um, and kind of yeah. co-create those with my client? And what's what's our mechanism to stay true to those conditions? Because that gives us that gives us kind of a north star by which we can say, hey, you know, time out, right? We agreed this is what would need to be true for this to for this thing to work. To what extent are we seeing those things in the way we're interacting? And that just feels like a productive, um, constructive way to keep keep things on the rails going forward. I love that. I love that. And and also, I just think this this place of really um, getting to a point where you say, "I don't. I'm not sure that we can go forward anymore." And that has a certain kind of energetic quality to it. That as, I mean, that Ernest, Ernest says um, that Ernest does not want to be another person who abandons this client. Understood, and that's beautiful compassion, and, and we love that. But I also think that there's a kind of lovingness in truth-telling that this client is really calling out for. And um, it seems almost to be evoking from Ernest is is please let's let's try something else let's move forward in some way this isn't working and I'm not sure what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And if if I can, I want I wanted to go yeah. back. To something, you know, this this notion of kind of not giving up on some somebody. I, yeah. I couldn't help but thinking about the parallels to leadership again, and maybe that's my mm. uh, my theme for the day is mm. well, the, th- the things that we coaches are um, kind of inherently good at. It's not inherent, right? We've worked hard at it. The things that we become good at, in this case, in Ernest Coach's case, you could oversimplify it and say it's the not giving up, right? It's the focus, yeah. faith, and belief in this client that good things can happen. Yeah. I, I, felt, I, yeah. I found myself fantasizing what would happen in the workplace if, if every leader kind of adopted that kind of posture, right? Mm-hmm. A world where, and, you know, they employed a kind of a dogged curiosity of what's underneath a colleague's strange or limiting behavior right. versus dismissing it and building, building ways to work around it. Right. Um, I, that's something that I aspire to is... Let's create more of that dogged curiosity in the leaders that we all work with um, so that we can just endeavor to better understand what's underneath all this and, and how can I help see and hear and understand and validate this colleague I'm working with. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes, I love, I really, really love um, what you're saying that, that there is this, so, so don't we... Isn't it a great thing in the world to be um, trying to foster this kind of curiosity and capacity for seeing beneath that which is very difficult and off-putting or um, can seem counterproductive? And I feel like in many ways, Ernest has, has held that so beautifully. I mean, really held that with a sense of grace and um, larger seeing and consciousness about Ernest's own desire to be successful, and that they may be getting to this place, again, where there is this kind of call to, to spirit, is let me, 
with love, deeply rooted in my own ground, share with you what I see here. And because I care about you, this really has some very serious implications. And are you willing to consider that um, there may really need to be a profound change um, in how you are considering your story and your set of stories? And are you open to that? And I'm intrigued by what your, what your sense of how you might hold, hold the client accountable. Just say a little bit about that. I think that would be um, useful for, to hear about. Well, I, I, again, I, I think the more tangible we can be about kind of yes. uh, co-creating or defining what needs to be true for, for this to be productive for both of us, um, then it, it gives us mileposts to look at in the work that we're doing, right? And the clearer and more tangible those mileposts can be, the better, right? Because it's one thing to say, hey, dear client, this is a circular pattern and you know, this is your same old thing and this isn't working very well in your life, can't you see? Um, that can be effective, but for somebody like this, um, I, they've got a pretty well-rehearsed and well-spun story right. that, that exactly. they're not going to see through very quickly. So... Yeah, just I, I love the I love the kind of break in the coherence of hey client you're fired like this isn't working for me right um, and so it's just such a great platform to say here's what needs to be true and and to be to be as tangible about those things as possible and to come up for air early and often and say how are we doing against those things right. we agreed on yes and I and 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 the kind of the loving shimmering boldness and awareness that Ernest may need to hold to really be present to that because Ernest has described the ways in which Ernest can be tugged by ego into thinking, oh, this is working, or um, this, this thinking path exercise will be the thing that begins to shift the situation. Yeah. And, and there's evidence that that is not so. So, for Ernest, the call to be squarely in the reality of the situation, I think, is also part of the part of the energetic pull to growth that I'm feeling in the letter. Yeah, I think that's right. And to me, Kirsten, your your notion of abandon all hope of fruition, um, I translate that into kind of knowing my walk away my walk away price. <laughs> right? It's like. Yeah. I, you know, we've got to be able to walk away from an engagement like this and know what the terms are, know where that boundary is. Um, and I think that's, that's what the work is for, for Ernest Coach and for all of us who find ourselves in situations like this. That's right. And to feel what does the walk away for us really feel like and how do we hold that lovingly? Because I think that's really the, the critical piece is this is not about castigating or blaming, but just really, I'm on your side, but let me tell you, frankly, this is really the place that we've gotten to. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I think that's, that's um, beautiful work for us as coaches to to be on that knife edge of awareness, loving, bold awareness. Perfectly said, as always. <laughs>
Um, so do you have any um, big meta reflections about these two letters, Mike? Anything that, you know, we've, again, we've had the pleasure of sitting with these two really heartful, multi-layered, very conscious letters over the last week. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's something we talked about last week, but it doesn't make it any less relevant or any less um, poignant. It's that our clients always bring us just what we need to work on, Thank right? There's always, there's always something in that dynamic that's kind of a flashing red neon sign saying, Absolutely. check into this, coach. Yeah. Um, ch- the, you know, check into this thing because here it is for yeah. you. Uh, and I what love you, that. I love that dynamism of the work too. we get to do. Me too. It's just so brilliantly creative is what this client is calling on in me is exactly where I need to grow. And what I am feeling is, is uh, really the path forward for both of us, for both of us in this container. And I must be fully present to all of that work. Yeah, and that I can't um, just figure this out, right? This isn't a situation to be figured out. This is this is developmental work um, right. for us to both undertake. Yeah. So, sweetie pie, we are we have um, we have as, as they say at Car Talk wasted another good hour um, <laughs> of our listeners' time, and we just want to thank you so so much for being with us, and we would love to have your letters, your thoughts your queries so send them along to us and um thank you so much for for being with us on this journey for sure and thanks also to the institute for transformational leadership at georgetown university for this guest hosting opportunity we are having an amazingly good time doing this and we hope you're learning something along the way and we hope you love the show as well yeah we do and and so thank you so much everybody Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.